0: if we can't see if we can't completely not tear everything up this morning that we've done so far and uh, it it, man I how many of you have just enjoyed your time here this week man praise the Lord Uh, God God's been good to me and and uh, I have just thoroughly enjoyed everything uh, from the fellowship to the um, man just all the preaching man it's it's been good it's it's fed my soul, and uh, and I'll be honest. A lot of places that you go and you preach like this, it, sometimes it's a little, it's a little hard because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get ready to preach, and at the same time you're trying to be social, and you're trying to, you're trying to do all, all, all of that. But I, I do want to say this has been easy, and um, and I want to say thank you to just the fellowship in general. I, I'm definitely not the guy uh, that that needs to be up here. I, I, anytime. I get the shot to do it. I'll do it. Uh, and, and there's plenty of other dudes. And, and listen, I, I have enjoyed every ounce of just being able to be a part of this group of people uh, for a number of years now. Um, they've been good to me. Some of my best friends are in this room right now. And I uh, hadn't always been that way. And, uh, and I just want to give God glory for letting it be that way now. And uh, you know, there, there's a whole different thing to say about people uh, that are your friend, and 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 friends with you that they're not doing it for any kind of ulterior motive, but that should love you. And uh, so, I found that in this group of people, I know a lot of you did the same thing, and that's why you're here. And so, man, just don't don't forget what you have in in uh, in your churches and in your pastors, and, and just man, just keep. Just keep plugging along for the glory of God. Amen. All right, let's get back in Luke chapter 15. We'll finish up Luke 15 uh, this morning. Um, uh, We've been talking about these two brothers uh, mainly for the majority of what's been said. Uh, We've been dealing with two brothers, but we've been dealing uh, not with just two brothers, but uh, two brothers that have represented two different audiences. And when I say two different audiences, uh, the people that Jesus Christ is addressing is who these, two peop- who these two brothers represent. And we could go back through Luke chapter 14, but we've already been through that twice and we won't do that again. Uh, but, but these two brothers are representation of two uh, people within the crowds. And we know them to be publicans and sinners and scribes and Pharisees. And why is that such a big deal? Well, we know one group of people knew they were sinners and one group of people, uh, although they look real religious and real righteous, they, they didn't know they were sinners. And so Jesus throws these parables out there in Luke chapter number 15 about lost things. How many of you is glad that Jesus is interested in lost things? Amen. Ain't that a good thing? Man, I'm I'm glad to know that Jesus Christ is interested in lost things. And so he throws these three parables out there about these these lost things, and and he does it to the tune of the Pharisee's ear. And so how do you know that? Well, if you look in in Luke chapter 15, and you look in verse 7, and you look in verse number 10, he kind of concludes the illustration with the sheep and the illustration with the coin, uh, in Luke chapter number 15, with this idea that there's joy in heaven or joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, these were things that were, that, that were not found, but now are found. These were things that had to be gone and uh, looked for, but, but now they're, they're found. And so he concludes this, this deal, not with sheep and not with coins, but he concludes this whole thing with a son. With a son. And the primary objective is for us to realize that repentance is a great thing. That repentance is not just a great thing, but repentance is a necessary thing. Repentance is a godly thing. The second, uh, when we when we look at the, when we look at the first two parables, we see a, a shepherd going to find a sheep, and then we, we see a, 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 the second one is a woman and she's using a light and sweeping a house and seeking for a treasure. And then we look at that third one and we said it's different. This is about a son coming home. And what is so different about it is that these sheep they're they're really not. They're really not interpersonal. They, they know the shepherd's voice if they are within an earshot of the shepherd, but, but they must be led and, 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 and they must be corrected with a rod and a staff in a physical sense. Now, coins aren't interpersonal at all. They, they, they have no value in communication whatsoever. But this son is a completely different deal. He shows us that, that repentance In our life, that repentance in our life, he uses a son uh, to show us that the father is indeed looking for repentance. And when he sees that, he is able to rejoice. Now, this morning, I, I would like to conclude this whole thing with what does the road to repentance look like? What does the road to repentance look like? And we've looked at these, we've looked at these boys and we've looked at their life and we've looked in, and we've seen that there's there's a lot of things going on in their life. Uh, there, there's, uh, the, the biggest problem that both of these boys had is they lost or they were blind to the goodness of their father. They couldn't see that their father was good. They couldn't understand that how how, how good their father actually was. They couldn't see the compassion of their father. One boy thought that his way was a better way. One boy thought his way was the best way. One boy he, he, uh, one, one, one boy had an issue in, in, in his pride. His pride, his pride got him into a place to where he thought he could sustain life in the far country and the one that stayed home. His pride told him that he deserved better because he stayed home. now this morning I, I want to deal with this idea of what does the road to repentance actually look like number 1 I want to give these to you number 1 it starts with a hunger the road to repentance starts with a hunger now, what, what, even, what even is repentance? And, and we could go into the doctrine of repentance and we could look throughout the Bible and we could, uh, we, we could find a lot. But I'm trying to get done by a certain time. And I've got a lot I want to give you this morning. But we'll, we'll suffice it to say this, that repentance is a change of mind. It's a change in the way you think about a certain thing. Now now, one one person would would, would say, do, "Do you believe that repentance is required for salvation?" Well, I would say it depends on how you define repentance. It depends on where you have to repent in terms of the process of salvation. Now, I'm not talking. About a drunk getting sober. I'm not talking about an addict not being an addict anymore. I'm not talking about somebody. Uh, I, I'm not talking about somebody getting clean before they come to Jesus. Everybody understand that? That that is a works based salvation. Amen. We're talking about. We're talking about a change in your mind about who you are. Uh, we're, we're talking about agreeing with God that you are indeed a sinner and that your addiction is an after effect of the real problem of your need to be born again. It's a change. In the way you think about a certain thing. Now, now I'll say this. When I came to faith in Christ, I was a little bit older. Not everybody in this room has that same testimony, but I was a little bit older. And when I came to faith in Christ, I had to change the way I thought about myself. But then I had to change the way I thought about Jesus Christ. Well, I thought about myself, I thought I was a pretty good guy at times. I thought I did this, I thought I did that. And then when I came to the realization, as this young man did, I I came to myself and I realized, I'm not who I think I am. So in the case of the prodigal, his repentance is initiated by what had been filling him had now left him empty. He came to himself because he was empty. Well, why was he empty? Well, what had been filling him had now ran dry. It's it's crazy how we are. We feed on things for momentary happiness only to allow those things to run dry in our life and us to see that we actually are indeed inside, empty. Now, notice something in in, in verse number 11, that the Father had a living. that he, He asked for the Father to divide up the Father's living. The Father had made a living. It was not the son's living. The son had been living off of the father's living. Does that make sense? The son was being sustained by the father's living. But now when you look down in verse number 13, the Bible says when the son had wasted his substance, the father had a living and all the son had was a substance. Why? Well, because the son had no way of giving life. That was up to his father. His father had been providing for him. His father had been the life-sustaining figure in his life. And when he left out, he didn't have a living because he had no way to produce that living. And what he took was the father's living, which was actually his substance. And when that substance ran dry, he couldn't fill himself anymore. He couldn't fill himself. He couldn't couldn't enjoy, you ready? He couldn't enjoy what the Father had filled him with because it had all went away when it all run dry. See, you and I, it's, it's, it's crazy how we get sometimes, we get to the place that we get good. You know, one of the most dangerous places, I think, for the Christian to get is in a good place. It's when their kids are doing good. It's when the money's good, when the jobs are good, when the church is going good, when everything seems to be going right. Everything seems to be, everything's firing on all cylinders and everybody's good. And you know what happens? Everybody seems like they get comfortable. They get up in the morning and because everything's good, they don't go back to the well. They don't go back to the Word of God. They don't go back to the water supply. They don't go back to get fed. They don't go back to their Father's blessing. They don't do what Troy said. They don't go and, and look for the new mercies of God each and every day. Why? Because everything is good. You remember the curse of the Laodicean church age would be rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. I think that we, when we get good, and when we get good, that's why it's an important thing for us to realize that suffering with Jesus Christ is not a bad thing. That when we enter, when we enter into the fellowship of his sufferings, there is fellowship through his sufferings. This boy had, had gotten good. He had gotten His father's living, which had then turned into his substance, and one day all of that substance ran dry. And this boy no longer has the ability to fill, this boy is no longer under the ability of the father to fill him each and every day. So, what happens when he had spent all? When he spent it all, when he spent all that the Father had given him, when he spent all that the Father had the ability to fill him with, when he spent all of that, there arose a mighty famine in the land that he was in. The Bible says he began to be in want. He went out into the world and he went into a place of sin. And he got empty. Now, I want you to see what happens to him after he gets empty. Verse 15, he says, and he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, of that far country. He goes into the far country and he wastes his substance. And yet he still is not convinced that his way is the wrong way. So he goes and joins himself to a citizen of that far country. And, And there, after he runs out of money, you ready? He tries to feed himself with a father of the far country. But he's not, a, make sure you get this, he's not a citizen of the far country. The world belongs in the world. Because they're of their father the devil and it's our job to bring them out. It's our job because we remember 2 Corinthians 5 been unto us. 18 through 20 has been committed to the ministry of reconciliation. But this boy goes into the far country and, and guess what he's looking for? He's looking for a father. He's trying to substitute his father with a different man. But this man's of the world. This man is in the far country. He went and he tried to work and tried to substitute the father that that gave him everything just to try and survive. I can't tell you how many times In my 16, 17 years of being saved, that, that I've tried to substitute what the Father, what only the Father could give me. I can't tell you how many times I've used the job. I I, I used to put in uh, I used to put in fiber, I used to put in fiber optics for ATT for years, big fiber optic boom happening. I put in fiber for years, drilled a lot of underground, and, and I made a, just a pile of money. And, and I can remember it. Don't fault me right here. I, I'm, 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 I'm as big an idiot as you are. I can remember in a church working about 70 or 80 hours a week. Just trying to trying to fill my bank account. I said, like, how'd you do that? I wasn't got it. I was good at it. I got up every, I got up every morning about 4.30 and I left and I didn't get home every night until about 9.30 or 10. And I'd done that for about four or five months and and, and never seen the kids on but on, on the weekends and that, didn't see them much as I was trying to get ready for uh, to to preach and that was just a train wreck and all that stuff. But I can remember coming to myself in Lawrenceville, Georgia on a Friday and, and I, I, it hit me. I, I just had got done hitting a fiber optic cable that AT&T owned. And it don't matter if you work for AT&T or not. They don't have to mark their cables. So, so if you hit them, they, they don't care. You're going to pay for them. I hit that cable, and I done worked all week, and, and, and I had made about $10,000. I had a really good week. I made about $10,000 that week, and I hit that cable, and that cable, by the time I got done hitting that cable and fixing the yard that they kind of had to come out and fix the cable in, it cost me $15,000. And I remember driving home on my way from Lawrence, I said, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm never going back. And sure enough, that Friday, I I never went back. I sold everything I had and I never went back to putting in You say, why? Because I had figured out there was something to God sustaining me versus the world sustaining me. Now I went back and I made a third. I made a third at our church a third of what I made out in, in putting in fiber. Now, I will say this. I have not missed a meal. My kids are thrilled. They're, they're, they're glad to be alive. My wife's tickled, slapped. To death. I mean, we got, look, she's a little old school teacher. I chase her around the yard all the time and all that good stuff. She don't make no money teaching. And, and look, God has blessed us like you wouldn't believe. You say, what is that? You can't go to the far country and fill up on what the father had already been giving you. You'll never find it out there. You'll never find it. And and the boy, he he went and got a job and the job wouldn't even pay the bill. He looked at the the hard lot and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk at the swine, did he? Even in a job position, he still couldn't get full. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that's trying to fill themselves on things that aren't bad things, they aren't awful things, they can actually be good things, they can be be fun things, they can be all these different kind of things. Troy preached on this last night, co preached on it. But but here's the deal, you can never find satisfaction in the far country. And here's what happens. Most people die in the far country because they're too prideful to admit that they aren't getting filled up. And so they stay out there and ten years later they wonder why their kids have the mindset of the world. They wonder why their kids know more about the world and everything going on in the world than they do about the things of God. They know they they they're they're blown away that that their wives can't stand them and their husbands can't stand them and they're cheating on each other and they've done had three or four different relationships with inside their marital relationship and they can't get help here and they can't get help there. Husband's addicted to pornography. The the wife's addicted to pills. The the, the husband's a drunk. The wife, she's she's closet over here taking Prozac like it's candy. I mean, the list goes, you say, how do you know that? I've watched people sit across my desk week after week with these same problems because they're too prideful just to admit that all the things that was filling me at the father's house I'm trying to get in the far country only his dad could give him what he needed and can I say something this morning only your heavenly father can give you the peace that you so earnestly desire In your heart, you're never going to find it in the world. You're never going to be at ease. I don't care how big the checks are. I don't care how nice the cars are. I don't care how nice the house is. I don't care how much you have. Go go back to pastoring a little church and, and your wife's a school teacher. Go back to raising five kids on that and see how that works. And I got news for you. I am a testimony that God is good. And God has been filling. And God has been blessing. And we're here today because God is The only thing that fills us. Now, number two, number two, not only is it it filled, uh, is it it start with a hunger, but it's fueled by a heart of humility. Repentance is fueled by a heart of humility. Look what he says I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy thy higher servants. Humility has now taken over when he realizes that he sinned against heaven. The one thing he didn't want was the father. The first thing that he didn't want was the father. Now, now, humility has brought him to a place to where he can now see how good his father really was in the hearts of his in the in the life of the father's servants. The boy now sees what he doesn't deserve. I'm no more worthy. I I, I don't deserve to be called your son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. It's almost as the boy is saying, Daddy, as long as I can be in your presence, As long as I can be around you, I'm fine with not being a son. I'm fine with not being the the son that lives in the big house. I'll go and live in the servant house. I'll go and live in the barn. I'll go and live wherever you want me to. Humility has now brought him to a point to where the prodigal understands that just being in the presence of the father as a servant This is how the road to repentance works. The prodigal is now feeling shame of his wrongdoing against heaven and in the Father's sight. The Apostle Paul, he gives us a a little bit more light, I think, in on this idea of repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and and verse number 8 says, Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though uh, though I did repent, for I perceive that this same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were, but for a season. Now I rejoice Not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now notice the contrast there. The sorrow of the world versus godly sorrow. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves. Ready? To be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did not write it for his cause that, that, that he had done, uh, done the wrong, not for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. So he's not pointing fingers and he's not, he, he, he's not directing it towards the ones that done wrong. He's not directing it towards the ones that's done, that had been done wrong. No, he's saying that our care might be in the sight of God, might, that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm doing this for the sake of the spotless Lamb of God and His church and His bride to be spotless. He says, Wherefore I wrote unto you, I did it not for His cause that had done the wrong, nor for His cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Verse 13, Therefore uh, we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceeding more joyed and exceeding uh, joyed we for the joy of tithes because his spirit was refreshed by you all. I, I, think, I think we can get a little idea of, uh, of what repentance is uh, from, the, from the Apostle Paul. We, we know that in 1 in Corinthians, there's a young man that, that was having a, an intimate relationship with his father's wife, and and rather being bothered by his sin, much less dealing with it, he's bragging about it. Can, can 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 I throw a shameless plug out right here? Don't believe anybody has a repentant heart that won't own their sin. That, that won't come to the place to where they can realize that, they, that they're the problem. Now we know what happens in, in, with this boy. To, the, the Bible says that the, 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 they were the, to, to deliver such a one to, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Make sure you, you, you get a little bit of sin. Paul, Paul's saying, we, we, we've got to do something about this or, or, or his sin is going to permeate the entire body. Now there's two different types of sorrow which lead to two different types of Repentance. That actually lead you to to two different places. Now, now, worldly sorrow, it brings worldly repentance, which ends in death. Now, I, 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 I I it could be literal death, could be death of a marriage. Could be death of relationships. Could be death of spiritual victory. But here's what we know. Worldly sorrow brings worldly repentance, which ends in death. And then there is what we know to be godly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance, which ends in salvation, which ends in this deliverance from sin, which ends in a life apart from that besetting sin in your life. The sorrow of the world is what Paul refers to as false sorrow. There could be some of us in the room this morning caught in a cycle of worldly repentance or, or false repentance And I think God could teach us something this morning from this idea that this worldly repentance or this false repentance is actually what's keeping us bound down in our sin and we cannot reach the road to repentance. The sorrow of the world. What is the sorrow of the world? Well, if we want to understand what the world is, we know 1 John 2.16 tells us for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Now that's what's in the world. And Paul says that this sorrow of the world is comprised by what we know is in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of God. It's not godly. It's of the world. And and when we use this thing of comparing spiritual things to things that are spiritual, then we understand that there's some ideas that we can take about worldly sorrow that we need to understand this morning. Number one, you need to understand that sorrow over sin, that worldly sorrow is sorrow over sin that's generated by a lust of the flesh. Now, what is this sorrow over sin by, generated by the lust of flesh? Well, it's being sorry because you feel pain. It's being sorry that, the, that there's been pain brought on you. It's your sorrow. The key issue here is your pain. Number two, sorrow over sin that is generated by the lust of the eyes because now you see all the ways, you ready, that it's affected your life. It's affected your world and ultimately it has affected your kingdom. And your eyes have now been opened to the consequences of your sin in your world. And you, you, your wife don't want anything to do with you. Your kids are, are crushed, they're bitter, they're hard-hearted. You spend the holidays alone, you're gonna lose your job, blah, blah, blah. The list could go on. Let the Spirit of God apply it in your life. But the problem here is your kingdom. This is sorrow over feelings, feeling some kind of way because you ready? your life is literally crumbling. This, this, this person that you built up, it's fallen to the ground. This life that you've built up, this name for yourself, this, 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 this all of this stuff, it's fallen to the ground. Now, now, number three, sorrow over sin that's, that's generated by the pride of life. You see, this is where you're sorry. You ready for this? Because you've ruined your reputation. And here the the key issue is your name. Because you've ruined your reputation, While, while, while those may indicate you're sorry, you're not actually understanding the sorry that you need. Because you're not sorry about anything but for yourself. Sorry about the fact that your reputation's fixing to be torn down, man. Can you can you go, go back with me just for a minute? I will arise and I will go to my father's house and I and tell him I, I, I'm I'm no more worthy. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. I don't care about my name anymore, Daddy. I don't care about being your son anymore. I I I, I just hire me as a servant. This boy had. The right kind of attitude on the road to repentance. Worldly sorrow is focused on me. You ready for this? Godly sorrow is focused on... Somebody say a loud prayer. God. Godly sorrow says, I'm, I'm sorry not because of the pain I feel, but because I brought pain to the name of God. Not because of the pain that I brought to myself, but because of the pain and the grief and the anguish that I've caused in the spirit of God's life. In the the life of Jesus Christ that I have made Jesus to feel this pain and this grief. You see, the key issue here isn't your pain. Godly sorry isn't worried about your pain. It's worried about the pain that you put within God's life. Godly sorrow says, I'm, I'm sorry, not because of the consequences of my life in my kingdom, but the consequences of my life has brought to God's kingdom. Godly sorrow isn't worried about what I have built. So, so, so man, I. Some of the best Christians that you know at one point in time in your life do really stupid things. And instead of working a sorrow that is godly, they get to a place to where they feel like they have to worry about themselves instead of worry about what God looks like to other people. Here's, here's, here's what they do. They work really hard to convince everybody around them that they can come back from this instead of owning what they might not come back from. Nobody cares that you might come back for something. Own what it is and let's see if God can restore you. Everybody's worried about being restored before they ever actually repent. I mean, come on, it can't work like that. You can't worry about the outcome before you worry about how we even take the first step down the road to repentance. Man, I sure hope I get home. Can you imagine that, boy? Man, I'm going to go home, and man, daddy's going to be proud I'm back. I can't wait to get that robe and that ring. Can't wait to get shoes put back on my feet. No, he he didn't say that. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my dad that I ain't no more worthy. I don't need a robe. I don't need a ring. I don't need shoes. Give me the barn. Give me the servant's house. I'll go there. He wasn't worried about about his name. He wasn't worried about anything. He was worried about, about how he affected his father. Number three, godly sorrow. says, I'm sorry not because of the hurt that I brought to my my name, but the hurt that I brought to God's name. The key issue is not your name, but it's actually God's name. Maybe you're in here and you're dealing with this thing right now and you're a little bit... You're a little bit bothered by this, like I was, by this idea of working out within your head. Maybe a little bit of confusion has seeped in, and you're wondering, man, what do I do here? How do I know whether I'm actually in in, in a place of worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? I'll give you some pretty good points to figure that out. But maybe just in case you're not... You're not not completely sold on it. I want to give you you these seven characteristics of godly sorrow and godly repentance from verse number 11. Number one, I want want you to look what he says. For for behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. Here it is. What carefulness it wrought in you. This word... Carefulness is literally full of care. Meaning that you're on guard and you're very watchful. That you're actually, that this is leading us into a place that our sin has driven us to a place of spiritual carefulness. Number two, he says, what clearing of yourselves. When godly sorrows in play, you're no longer making excuses. You're no longer blaming somebody else. Your mom and dad ain't the problem. The way you was raised ain't the problem. The so-and-so done something to you ain't the problem. You're no longer blaming other people. You're no longer rationalizing it away. And it's my wife's fault for me acting like this. It's my husband's fault for me acting like this. Oh, no, it was only a few times. It only happened a couple of times. It only this. There's no more justifying it. Well, my dad, my mom, my this, my that. There's no, it's just the way I am. There's no more of that. You own it to the max. There's no more hiding. There's no more lying. There's no more covering. There's no more protecting. There's no more manipulating people and the situation. And you own it. And you're ready. You do everything within your power to clear yourself of it. Worldly sorrow confesses, you ready for this? What's been found out? Godly sorrow confesses all of it. He says, "What indignation! The sin that was so compelling and inviting, it now, it now repulses you. The thought of it angers you inside. Hey, what fear? People have have, have pe- pe- people found out in sin. It, it, like I." I, I Uh, Maybe maybe you say, I'll I'll never do that again. Here's here's what what happens. It freaks me out when people say, oh, I'll never do that again. That freaks me out, man, because you know what happens? They feel like they got it. They feel like they got the bull by the horns, and they're not actually scared that they might go back. Most people that say they'll never do that again, they usually do that again. What, what uh, vehement desire. Because you now live with a healthy fear of ever committing that sin again. It now produces this desire within you to make sure that it never, that it never has a place in your life again. He says, what zeal? Zeal is not a desire. Zeal is a consumption. And godly repentance is consumed with a passion that is against sin. What what revenge? When a vengeful spirit gets directed towards your sin, you ready for this? Not your brother's sin, not your sister's sin, not the people you go to church with sin, but your own sin. When when a vengeful spirit gets directed towards your sin, guess what? You're now viewing your sin how God views it. This young man quit caring about himself and he now entered into a place of godly sorrow. It starts with a hunger and, and then it's, it's overtaken and, and it's fueled by humility. And then I want to say number three, it's, it's consumed with compassion. Look in verse 20, And he arose and he came to his father. Ready for this? But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now I want you to look, 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 look with what's happening. This road to repentance, it, it, it starts with a hunger. It's fueled by humility, but it's consumed with compassion. But when he was yet a great way off. Now now make sure you understand, the, the father didn't go looking for the son. The father was looking for the son. The father is looking for the heart that the son needs to be in repentance to come home. How many of you understand that God is not going to force you to do anything? God ain't going to force you to repent. God ain't going to force you to see His goodness. God ain't going to force you to do anything. You're going to do that on your own free will. And this boy's own free will had him in a place to where he decided it was time to go back to the Father's house. But when he was yet a great way off, now I don't know how this situation worked, but I, I, I have to wonder if the father sat in a certain place every day waiting on that boy. Man, can you imagine Jesus Christ giving this parable? Man, can can you can you let Jesus can you can you take a second? Can you go back with me to that? That place where everybody's sitting around in all the centers of the city. Pharisees and the scribes are standing. Can you go back? Can you hear the compassion of Jesus Christ? But yet when you was a great way off, Your father saw you. And he had compassion. And he ran. And he fell on your neck. And he kissed you. You know, that's what happened. That's what happens every time that you and me bowed to this heart of humility. I think some people think maybe like their dad. Maybe their dad messed up how they viewed their father, their heavenly father, and that's part of life. Took me a long time to figure out God wasn't ever going to leave me, nor forsake me. I spent a lot of Friday nights on my grandma's front porch, my granddad's front porch, swinging in a swing, waiting on my dad to come get me with a backpack on because it was his weekend, only to never show up. And I'm not saying to God, look, don't, don't feel bad. God finally taught me that He was never going to leave me and He was never going to forsake me. Man, he, he used Mark Trotter to teach me that my father loved me. And that if I could get my eyes off of my dad and if I could get my eyes off of how my dad treated me and I could get my eyes centered in this book and I could see who God was and let the Spirit of God change me that I'd finally have enough faith in the God that saved me that He was never going to run out on me. Could it be that you don't realize that there will be great compassion when you come back. May, made you feel like your, your, your dad made you feel that there was going to be an overwhelming amount of anger over your sin. Can I say this morning that, that the Father's waiting on you to come back? He's looking for you to come back. I can't I can't imagine this father doing what he did that day. Big long garment on he sees the sun top the hill. And he hikes up that garment and grabs it around his arm. And what the rest of the servants never seen, probably never seen this man's legs, what, wasn't supposed to see this man's legs. And he shames himself to get to the sun, Did you know that our Savior shamed Himself to make us sons? He spanned between heaven and earth naked before all. He shamed Himself he was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was despised. He was rejected. He, he had a crown of thorns plaited upon his head. He had spikes drove in his hands and his feet. He, is, he was ripped from, from head to toe with the cat and nine tails. He was shamed to get to his sons. I want you to understand, there's compassion on the road to repentance. And then number four, it's despised by the proud. It's despised by the proud. If if they want to get ready to sing. However that whole time wants to go, we're good there. Make, make sure you understand that not everybody is going to be proud about you traveling the road to repentance. Not, not everybody is going to rejoice. Now, listen, I think sometimes we think that everybody's going to clap and be in our corner when we come back home. But you know who ain't? The prideful. The prideful aren't going to be happy when this happens. They aren't going to be thankful. This elder brother, he is not happy that his brother has repented, that his brother has came back. And I think you need to understand that we're living living a pipe dream if we think everybody is going to be happy about a genuine heart of repentance. You're going to face opposition? You're going to face face the devil telling you You're going to face the devil telling you that you're crazy. You're going to face the devil telling you that you're wrong. You're going to face Satan himself, the most prideful of all, is going to tell you that that, that you're you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You you need to feel the shame of your sin. You're not worthy to go back to them, but you need to remember that there's compassion on the road to repentance. Now, I don't know where you are. I, I... I don't know how many of you in here were invited this week. and Maybe you've never came to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've never came to a place of you understanding that your sin separated you from a holy God. Listen, you're, you're, not, you're not a sinner because you're a bad person. You're a sinner because you're breathing air. You're just born that way. You're not a sinner because of all the things you've done. It just proves the fact that you were born that way. And this morning, maybe you need to come to Jesus. Maybe there's some of us in here and we're like the older brother. We're like the younger brother. And, and, and we have been out in the far country. And you do smell like a hog lot and you, you, you don't have a robe on and you don't have a ring on and you don't have the shoes on. You you don't look like a son, and, but you've came to the place to where you're like, the, you're like that younger son and, and you, you want to come back. You can come back this morning. Don't let nobody keep you from it. Maybe you're like the older brother and, and, and this older brother. Maybe you're like him. And you've been here and you've been in church and you've been faithful and you've been this and you've been that, but you don't have the heart of the Father in seeing the younger brother come home. Man, it'd be cool if we could just get that out. Man, if we could just man, we could just get that out of ourselves and be glad that our brothers and our sisters are coming home. Maybe in your mind you're thinking, man, I, I got this whole repentance thing messed up. I, 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 I've, I've sorrowed unto the world, unto worldly repentance. I've not sorrowed unto God. I'm sorry because my name was drugged through the mud because my kingdom and my life was being torn down. It didn't have anything to do with God's name. It didn't have anything to do with God's kingdom. It didn't have anything to do with, with, with my testimony and how it, uh, God, uh, what God was seen in my own life. Maybe you need to come. Just hmm. do your thing with the Lord. He says, is there something special about... Coming, I, I don't know. I don't have an idea. I, I think there is. God's done a lot of things in my heart with, with people in, a, in an altar. God's done a lot of things in my heart at home, riding down the road. But I've had some really special moments in an altar. One of them I got saved in an altar with another person. I've done a lot of really cool things Last night, Troy got done preaching. Man, the spirit of conviction was so real. It's your last shot at all church retreat. Don't blow it. Do what you need to do with Jesus Christ this morning. Can I pray for you? Lord, I just want to thank you for... Given us these times together. They're sweet times. God, they've been so profitable. They've been profitable for me. God, you've used every everything here. God, every conversation, every session. Lord, thank you for, for all that you've done through all church retreat this year. God, this morning, this will be the last invitation given at all church retreat. God, make it what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen.